We're in this series called Stand from the Book of Daniel. And last week we talked about standing in the midst of compromise, that um, we all are faced with choices to compromise who we are, who God's called us to be. And, and today I'm going to talk to you about standing uh, in the strength of community, standing in the strength of community. And I don't know if you've ever made a bad financial decision. Anybody ever done that? Anybody? Thank you. Praise God. There's some people in here that, anyway, well, anyway, I, I've told this story before, but when Marissa turned 16, we bought her a car and we spent, we were, we spent more than what we probably should have because that's what we do as parents, don't we? And then I made this really dumb decision to not get collision on her insurance. I said liability. I didn't even, I didn't, I don't even think I had comprehensive. I said liability. And so She's 16 years old, and within two months of buying this car, she wrecked it. She was turning left out of El Charo. You ever done that? That's a treacherous turn. It's treacherous. I mean, you can. And so she called me, said, I've gotten a wreck. I ride over there, and the car looks like to me it's totaled. She got T bone, looked like to me it's totaled. And, and so I'm, she, she goes, and um, she's gone, and I'm, I'm left there with the car. And. This is no lie. Like if you picture this being the curb at El Charo in the parking lot, I sat on the curb and I thought, and I said, this is what I thought. I just flushed $3,500 down the toilet. And I know you don't think that's much money. It's all I had. $3,500 down the toilet. That's what I thought. And I was sitting there and I thought, now I've got to figure out something to do with this car. Who can I call to help me? And so I started to think, and I thought about one of the guys from, we only had one campus then, and his name was Todd. And so I called Todd. I said, listen, Mercer's wrecked her car. I can't get it cranked. It's smashed up pretty bad. I said, do you got any ideas? He said, I got a big trailer. I'll come get it for you. And so I'm waiting for him. It seems like it takes forever. I'm just sitting on the curb. I don't know what the people for El Charo thought. I thought I'd been drinking or something. He's, he's in the parking lot. Can't even get up. He's crying. <laughs> and Todd comes out there. And I said, man, I just threw away $3,500. And he looked at it and he said, I've never told you this before. He said, I do body work. I don't tell anybody. It's not what he does. He makes garage doors. And he said, I can fix this. So my, 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 my countenance goes from, to, say what? <laughs> say what? And that's a really silly story. But that's what I want to talk to you about, the power of community. Because so many times we make decisions or... We live our lives, and it's really in the, the, the realm of being alone. Now, in 2000, there was a book written called Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam, where he talked about this epidemic of loneliness in the United States that used to people to bowl would be on a team or it'd be families, it'd be groups. And that he, he started to, to do this survey that, that people were actually going to the bowling alleys and bowling by themselves. That, that, that this whole phenomenon of us doing life by ourselves was starting to be an epidemic 
in the United States. That was in 2000. It is now 2023. And more and more people are doing life alone. And that's even in the church. Even the church, that, that church has become this thing where it's uh, attending services, that it's not really doing life together. It's attending services, that I attend service, that when people talk about what church do you go to, they, they're talking about attending services. And it, it, it's almost seemed like that if you're doing more than that, uh, then, then, then you're the exceptional. And so we, it's even infiltrated into the church. And so I, I started to think, why, why is it that when we talk about community, standing in the strength of community. The word community means common unity. It just simply means common unity. When we start talking about community, and look, I've had a bunch of conversations. I've talked to some of you about this. Whenever I bring up the subject of community and getting in a group and getting in a smaller group and being known and knowing others and being part of people tend to pump the brakes. I'm telling you, probably as soon as I'm talking about it right now, you're in your mind, you're pumping the brakes. Hold on a second. Oh, oh, and so the message today is I want to, I want to push, I want to, I want to push the envelope a little bit. Part of the reason why we, 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 we're like this is culture. Like we talked about culture has become so much that you don't really have to do anything with anybody to get anything done anymore. You could work by yourself. You don't have to go to the store. You can have everything delivered to you. You can shop online that you don't really have to engage with anybody. And you could, you could possibly do that. And so culture is being where just be alone, that you, alone time, I need some me time. And there's some truth to that. And, and, and if you know me, I love solitude. I love being alone. And then a lot of us, uh, when we, we pump the brakes on community because we've been hurt, we've been hurt by the church. And look, I've probably hurt some of your feelings. I'm good at it. Unintentionally sometimes. And maybe you've been hurt by the church. You got a past hurt. But you've been hurt, and so the thought of, of, of opening yourself up again to be wounded, to be hurt, you're like, I'm going to pump the brakes on that, Gary, and, and, I, and I understand that. And then this other part is that we, I feel like that when I say this, and, and I'm including this, we all have insecurities. We're just insecure. When we start talking about getting in relationship with other people, that, man, I'm just insecure, and, and, uh, and you know, can I just share something with you? Like, we, we got invited to something a few weeks ago, and, and we were riding over there, and I told Leslie, I said, I don't want to go. And she's just looking at me. She's heard me go through this before. I said, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, we're going. I said, no, I'm the boss. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> and... I said, you know why I don't want to go? Because I'll have to be on. I'll have to go, and i got to shake everybody's hand. Look, and you're going to think I'm a jerk when I tell you this. I just didn't feel like it. And I have to go talk to everybody. i got to go talk to everybody. And look, I, I like it. I love it, and it's part of my job. Listen, but that's the other part of it is that there's just these insecurities in us, these things inside of us that just we don't naturally gravitate towards community. And then the fourth thing is we're just really busy. The thought of one more commitment. Are you with me on this? The thought of one more commitment, one more thing that I'm signing up for. I'm, I'm running the ball here. We're doing cheerleading here. I'm going back to school. We're working, whatever, whatever you got going on. The thought of one more commitment, it just, man, it makes you pump the brakes. And so the message today is this. Would you hold off on pumping the brakes for a second? Would you just hold off on that? And just listen 
when we talk about the strength of community, the strength of having people in your life that are pulling with you, not against you. So here we go. We're looking at Daniel. Daniel, last week, if you were here last week, a really hard message. Uh, if you were here, you probably, thank goodness, today's not going to be as hard as that. It's not as hard, but it's way longer. I'm just kidding. So anyway, so <laughs> Daniel and his friends uh, have been, really the whole people of Israel have been conquered and they've been exiled. And the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, takes some of the young people and he wants to train them to be Babylonians. And so he gets Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Last week we saw all four of them. Today we just see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't know where Daniel was in this story. Don't know if he was on a mission for the king. Don't know if he's another part of the country. But, but this story focuses on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the focus is this, is that there is a battle for their allegiance. There's a battle for their allegiance. Last week, we saw this battle for our identity, this battle of who we are in Christ, who we are as a Christ follower, who God's called us to be, how we're going to live our life. And then today, we're talking about this battle for our allegiance. Who's going to be the Lord of your life? Who's going to be the boss of your life? Who's going to be number one? Because this is always a battle as Christ followers. This is always a battle of life, and this is the battle here. And so here's the scripture right here. And it's just simply going to talk about that King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Now, we're not really sure what was on this statue. Some people think it was a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. Some people think it was one of the gods or ideologies that they worshipped. But he makes this huge statue, this huge idol, and then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officers, officials, to come to the dedication of the statue. It's set up, hey, I've got this big statue. Everybody's coming to watch and see what I've done. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. They're thinking they're just showing up to watch this thing, to look at it. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, Cam's actually recruiting for someone to play the zither, if anybody plays the zither. <laughs> hey, I thought that was pretty funny. Thank you for laughing. Anyway, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being Jews or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. See, there's this battle for our allegiance. And in this story... The battle is a government system. Now, ours isn't. We're, 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 we're not being persecuted. But I'm going to come back to that in a second. But there is a battle for our allegiance. It's our sin issue. Our sinful nature battles with us all the time. You ever... You ever you could feel it like, I want to do this. I want, I'm going to tell them what's on. And just inside the Holy Spirit's going, no, no. This battle inside of you. Sometimes the enemy 
creates this battle. He throws things in front of us. Some things are good. They're good. They're, they're, they're the opportunities, but it's going to pull us away from church. It's going to pull us away from God's people. Sometimes the opportunities are bad that they'll lead to sin, and, but he, he's, he's really good at but just battling for our allegiance. Take this, do this, do this. And then sometimes they come from culture itself. That the culture itself just seems to be pulling, pulling. And you've heard me say that when you follow Jesus Christ, like if you're following Christ, if I'm following, I'm going this way, Jesus is here, I'm following him. Well, everything in this world, those things I just talked about are, are trying to pull us away from Christ, trying to push us away. And so there's this battle, this battle for who we're going to follow. And it's really easy just to turn and go with the culture, to go with the flow. But in this story, it is persecution. And so I'm going to go a little bit sideways energy here for just a second. I want to see this map here for a second. Christianity Today listed the top 50 countries where persecution was happening. Now the red is where it's happening very much so. Christianity uh, or Christians or Christ followers are being persecuted or it's outlawed. The orange is where it's being oppressed or, or pushed, pushed down, trying to, trying to suppress it. The United States is not listed there because we're not. We are still free. And I said this first service, you have the opportunity to walk in here today with nothing's going to happen to you. You're not going to lose your job for being here today. You're not, you're not going to be thrown in jail. You're not going to be threatened for being here today. But that's not true with a lot of Christ followers. And so my sideways energy here is this. I want us to pray for these guys. I want to spend some time and just us praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathering right now or who have already gathered. Listen to me. Where they may be put to death. They could be thrown in jail. They could lose their jobs. They could be beaten. And I want to lift them up and ask you to pray with me right here. Father, I thank you for our freedom that we take for granted all the time. And Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted. Who are being oppressed. but still choose to follow you, still choose to gather as your church, still choose to believe that you are the only one who can save, and they've committed their lives to you. And so, Lord, together we, this morning, we pray for them. We pray for them to be strengthened. We pray for boldness. We pray for their protection. And Father, I pray that if persecution ever does come our way, that we will have the same kind of faith that they do. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, there's a battle for our allegiance. Well, the second thing is this. When we stand together... We won't fall alone. 
we stand together, we won't fall on. Is Stephen in here? Stephen's my man. Come on up, Stephen. This is Stephen Smith, and he's really fit, and I'm here. Okay, so, all right. This is Stephen. Stephen's 45. He's a lean, mean fighting machine. All right. You ever play tug of war? All right, Stephen and I are going to play tug of war. It's me, me against Stephen. Where I'm going to, we're going to put our feet. I'm going to pull against him. He's going to pull against me. I just got to know who's got their money on me. I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm looking for some hands here. I got one. I got one. Thank you. I got one. Leslie was first service. I need her in here again. So anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, easy now. All right. Ready, Stephen? We're going to go for it. Who's got their money on Stephen? All right. All right. Hurt me a little bit. All right. This is what your life is. You're trying to follow Christ, and there's somebody pulling against you. Now, whether I could beat Stephen, I say probably not. Maybe I get lucky and he slips, okay? But let me ask you something. What if I was facing three Stevens? What if I was facing a multitude? Or what if, what if it was this? What if Stephen is stronger than me, but what if I had three people on my back who were pulling? See, what we, what we think, Stephen, give him a hand. Give a guy a hand. We're going to battle one day. You're going to see how this ends. It's going to be online. We're going to post it. See, you can go it alone. But hear me on this. But you'll be going it alone. Or you can choose to have some brothers and sisters in your life who are willing to pray for you, willing to pull with you. Now, now here's, here's what we don't get. We don't understand the power of our life if we really had people pulling with us instead of against us. And that's the story here is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get this, this call that, hey, you're going to bow or you're going to burn. And so they make this decision that, you know what, we're going to stand together. Well, I love this scripture right here. It's one of my favorite. But it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you've set up. They just dropped the mic right here. They just dropped the mic and said, look, the three of us are standing together. Now, here's the thing that we, we, we've got to wrap our brain around. There's power in we. There's more power in we than there is in me. There's more power in we. Look at this, look at this right here, this next slide right here. We is powerful when it comes to testing or persecution or facing battles. Now, you may not believe that, and you may not believe anything I said, but listen to these scriptures right here. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, where he gives these scenarios. Two are better than one. One falls in a pit, other can help him out. He just starts giving these scenarios, standing back to back, this power of we. Two or three witnesses in correction, in prayerful agreement, and gathered together, have more power. Jesus uses this example, and Matthew 18 talks about the power of two or three being together. He says, where two or three of you are together, I'm there also. Well, isn't Jesus with us when we're by ourselves? Yes. He says, I'm there in a greater way when you're together. And then he says, 
uh, great strength of the early church was their togetherness. Acts 2, 42 and, and 47 and Acts 4. That when you think about the early church, their strength was, man, they were together. They were always together. That they were living in community together. And then finally, Paul directs the, the believers to stand with the armor of God. And if you read this passage, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, you read this passage... The pronouns are plural. It's not you individually. It's you, you, that Paul had this picture that we would stand together or we would fall alone. Now, here's the thing. Most of my decisions, most, almost all of my bad decisions were made when I were alone, when I was alone, outside of community, when I didn't ask for any input. They were, they were decisions to sin, they were decisions that were bad, unwise. They were decisions that cost me energy, and they were decisions that set me back spiritually. I'm telling you, I've never been in a group of people, and I said, this is what I'm thinking, and all four of us chose the wrong thing. It doesn't happen. But I can tell you a bunch of times, and if you're honest with me, you can probably tell me a bunch of times where you made a decision all on your own, or you got in a situation by yourself, and you thought, I'm going to do this all alone, I'm going to go my own way, and it didn't work out. This is why we need people. You need people in community with you. You need somebody to say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You do, and it needs to not be your wife or your husband every time. You need somebody to say, hey, look, I don't think that's wise. You need somebody to say, here's a better. You know what you need somebody to say? I can fix that car. Just like it was said to me that my, my countenance went from being down to being up. That that's the strength of community. We get to encourage each other, to correct each other, to love each other. But here's the thing. You've got to make that decision. That's the life you want to live. Or you can keep going along. But I'm telling you, alone's not better. Alone's easier, but it isn't better. Alone may be quicker, but it's not better. Which leads me to the last part of the story, is that God shows up. Now, we always say this thing, you know, God showed up at church today. God literally shows up in this, this message, this, this scripture. The scripture here is that they make this decision, they drop the mic, they're thrown in the fiery furnace. It says, but suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. Now that would be a cool moment, wouldn't it? Then Nebuchadnezzar came close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high, official, high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not touched them. And this is a miracle right here, too. Not a hair in their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. That's a miracle, isn't it? You ever been around smoke? Man, that stuff's everywhere. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Now I want, to, I want you to hear me. I'm going to be really clear here, but I want to share something with you. 
God works in our lives individually. He answers our prayers individually. He does. But there's only some things that God's going to do in community. I want you to hear me on this. There's some things that God's only going to do in community. When you read the scriptures, a lot of the miracles, a lot of the things where God showed up, it wasn't in an individual's life. It was in the realm of community. It was when people were together. It's when people gathered together. When people showed up to things they may not have wanted to, but because they were faithful and God showed up. He shows up. That's why Jesus said, hey, when two or three are together, I'm with you over there. I'm going to be there in a greater way, in a different way than if you were by yourself. Now, I'm not, I'm not leaving us from, from any personal responsibility of spending time and praying. That's not what I'm saying by ourselves. I'm just telling you, so many times I think you and I are waiting for God to do something individually when he's saying, hey, if you get in community, you'd see what I really want to do in your life that we go and we pray this prayer. We're like, God, help me, help me, help me. And guess what God does? He sends a person into our life. And you know what? That person says, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Or they say, hey, why don't you get in my groove? Or hey, why don't you serve in this ministry team? And we go, nah, I'm not going to do that. Pump the brakes. Pump, 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 pump. You know, I don't do that. And guess what? Then we pray to God again. Pray to God. God, help me, help me. I need help. I need help. Help me, help me, help me. And then God sends either that same person or he sends another person. You know what they say? Why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you get in a group with me? Why don't you serve on a team with me? And I think too many times we haven't figured out that God's calling us to community. Look, and it's not easy. Get me, hear me. It's not easy. It's messy. People are messy. I'm messy. People are just, they have all kinds of issues. We're all messy people. It's not easy, but that's what God's calling us to. And listen, when we choose to live like that, he shows up in supernatural ways that he doesn't do individually. And that's what he's calling you to. And here's what I'm asking. When are you going to stop pumping the brakes? When are you going to start hitting the gas and saying, you know what? That's what he's calling me to. That's what they did in the early church. That's what I need. So, I'm going to ask you two questions. Who's pulling with you? Who's pulling with you? If you're honest today, who's pulling with you? Who's pulling with you? Who's helping make you more like Jesus Christ? Who's there for you when men, when, the, when you've made one of the worst decisions of your life? Who's there? When you need people in your life. The second question is, why not today? Why not today? Why not today you go out there and sign up for a group or a ministry team? And just, man, just try it. What do you got to lose? And I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to come back. Father, I pray for us to stop pumping the brakes. I pray for us to see you work in our lives. And I know there's things you're going to do individually, but Lord, I know there are also things that you only do in community. So Lord, I pray that you would draw us to closer community with each other in groups, on teams, whether that's serving here or going to our community, Lord, that we would just want to be in community, that we'd stop pumping the brakes. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.